Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Show. I am your host, Stephen Colbert, and I am... You know what I'm thankful for? I am thankful to have all of you here tonight, and even more thankful to have none of you here tomorrow. Because <laughs> tomorrow is Thanksgiving. And while last year, people mostly stayed home because of the pandemic, this year, families are planning to return to larger Thanksgiving celebrations. You know what that means? Lots of people in their early 20s are going back to the kids' table. <laughs> I know you just graduated from Swarthmore, Neil, but tonight you'll be with Madison and Parker talking Paw Patrol. (laughs) Okay, keep up. Try to keep up. As more people are vaccinated, the holidays are returning to normal, a.k.a. cray-cray. In fact, about 53 million people are expected to travel for Thanksgiving, and all of them will be on your flight trying to board before their group gets called. (laughs) It's not just going to be... Whatever. Whatever. Who cares? Who cares? It's not going to be pleasant. With the uptick in travel around the holidays, airlines are warning people to expect packed planes, unruly passengers, and cancellations. So, everyone's flying Spirit Airlines? (laughs) Now, if you're... It's quality. Spirit Airlines. Is that a sponsor? Not a sponsor. Okay. If you're heading to the airport, it's important to know what's allowed before you hit the security line. The TSA this year says you can bring certain foods on airplanes, such as turkey, fresh fruit and vegetables, mac and cheese, candy, and spices. That's good, because a key step in my turkey dry brine (laughs) is letting it sit on my lap for six hours. (laughs) But there's one troubling distinction that the TSA is making this holiday season. According to their rules, they consider cranberry sauce a liquid. (laughs) Hey, TSA, I hate to quibble, But when you remove something from a can and it still has the ridges from said can, (laughs) that's not a liquid. (laughs) Admittedly, science doesn't know what it is, but it's not a liquid. (laughs) Of course, you gotta break glass, remove. You gotta do it. Of course, while some Thanksgiving traditions can be sweet as pie, Others can be as dangerous as handing the electric carving knife to Grandpa. (laughs) Which is why there's new video of the Chicago Fire Department demonstrating Thanksgiving safety with a fried turkey fire. Coincidentally, that's also the name of the new Dick Wolf drama on NBC. (laughs) Uh, Do we, we have the video from Chicago? 
you can see the size of that turkey and the size of that uh, container that it's going to be going into. If you lower that, Commander Robertson, you see how quickly that that went into flame. Wow. That just makes me want to do it more. I mean, come on, that's fun. The flame. That's fun. Yes, that's a great flame. Why spend four hours peeking into an oven when I could spend 30 glorious seconds recreating backdraft with a butterball? <laughs> Still, that's impressive production values. Hopefully, they can top it with their video warning people not to plug all their Christmas lights into a single outlet. Now, another way, another way we're getting back to normal this year, Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade is back. Come on. Yes. CBS. CBS. That is great for us New Yorkers. It's the one day of the year we can actually see vehicles moving on 6th Avenue. (laughs) We had a parade last year, but due to the pandemic, there was no in-person audience let's face it, without an audience, Carrie Underwood singing under a giant inflatable turkey is just stupid. <laughs> For this year, this year, Macy's has unveiled six new floats, including birds of a feather streamed together by Peacock. It's so crass to use a holiday float to promote your streaming service, NBC. <laughs> Unlike CBS in the tasteful way, Paramount Plus is promoting itself a giant balloon of Tom Selleck's mustache. (laughs) Good ratings, that mustache. (laughs) The big star of the parade this year is Gravy Pirates by Heinz. Good to see Johnny Depp is still getting some work. (laughs) Now, Gravy Pirates is not technically a float. It's something they're calling a Flow a lunical. <laughs> Confused? Well, as one organizer explained, it's a flow a lunical. So it's part float, part balloonical. Oh! Oh! Is that what it is? Here I was thinking it was part falloon <laughs> and part ickle. I feel like a total moronaloon. <laughs> In billionaire news, For some reason, there's always lots of billionaire news. I'll give you the latest in tonight's installment of my long-running segment, Rich People, They're Just Not Like Us, Us Pay Taxes. Quick, shoot me into space. First up, SpaceX founder Elon Musk, seen here wishing on the star he just bought. (laughs) Musk has been a little prickly ever since Democrats suggested that the wealthy pay any taxes. For instance, recently, Bernie Sanders tweeted, We must demand the extremely wealthy pay their fair share, period. To which Musk replied, I keep forgetting you're still alive. (laughs) Hey, buddy, you cannot talk to Bernie like that. You better watch your mouth, space boy. I'm from Brooklyn, the BK. You keep talking to me like that, I'm going to slap the tax money you owe right off your top 1%. Remember, in space, no one can hear me put my foot up your ass. (laughs) Now, where is my soup? Where is my damn soup? (laughs) There's also news about Musk's space penis rival, Amazon founder Jeff Bezos, seen here watching The Grapes of Wrath. (laughs) 
Recently, Bezos was at a conference on the future of space exploration, and he predicted that all polluting industries will move to space one day and that we'll all live on space colonies. Wow, that's some real prime spoiled billionaire talk. Mommy, I don't want to live on Earth anymore. It's dirty and it's full of pathetic little millionaires. I want a shiny new planet and a bigger one than Elon has. I hate him, I hate him, I hate him, I hate him. He's trying to beat Elon. I want a new wife. Give <laughs> me two wives. Watch out. Bezos' plan to clean up the Earth is sort of like your mom's plan to clean the living room. After it's done, no one is allowed in there, <laughs> except company. Over centuries, most many people will be born in space. They may visit the Earth you, the way you would visit, you know, Yellowstone National Park. Uh, here you can see the remains of what used to be New York City before it was reclaimed by nature in the form of giant rat bears. Uh, please do not feed the wildlife, by which I mean the poor people Jeff Bezos left behind. Okay, night is falling. Here come the rat bears, and we're walking, and oh no, the rat bears have formed an alliance with the poor people. We're running, we're running, we're running. Go, 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 go. Now, if you want to stay on the planet but still have a rich guy tell you how to live, I've got some good news. Courtesy of Walmart billionaire and man singing, I don't care too much for money, money can't buy me hair, <laughs> Mark Laurie. Laurie has announced he is founding a futuristic city known as Telosa, named for an ancient Greek word meaning highest purpose. And to think you can create your own city, I'm guessing your purpose wasn't the only thing that was high. <laughs> Mark Lurie's new city plans to offer its citizens equal access to education, health care, and transportation. Residents will be selected through applications. We actually got a copy of one of the applications. In 50 words or less, tell us why you deserve to be treated equally more than other people do. <laughs> Lurie. You got that right? Got that right? Level system, huh? <laughs> Lurie calls his vision for Telosa equitism, a mashup of equality and capitalism. <laughs> that idea is very creative and apt, or crap. <laughs> he explained equitism in this video. What if you can pay the same taxes that you pay today, but get the best social services of any country in the world? That's equitism. No, technically, that's Denmark. <laughs> now, if you're interested, Denmark. Huge fans of Denmark here. That's all. Now, if you're interested in becoming a Telosa resident, or Telosian, as no one will ever call them, <laughs> you should know there's no set location for Telosa just yet. That's because Telosa's not a place. It really exists in... here. <laughs> well, it was harder to get to than I thought. <laughs> so far... Lori has narrowed it down to Nevada, Utah, Idaho, Arizona, Texas, and the Appalachian region, which includes 13 states. <laughs> as inspiring as the famous words of Horace Greeley, go west, young man, or east, or maybe south. We haven't figured it out yet. Just shut up and get in the wagon. <laughs> we got a great show for you tonight. Coming up, meanwhile.
Are you ready for an all-new season of Survivor? You better be, because Survivor 46 is here, and it's 90 minutes of twists and turns you don't want to miss. Better yet, after each episode, there's a brand new episode of On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. Each week, we go behind the scenes of the episode's biggest moments, taking you into the how and the why things happened. And this season, we're very lucky to be joined by an expert, the winner of Survivor 45, Devaya Daris. What is up? I'm thrilled to be joining this team and to be giving you my take on how and the why players made the moves they did what it takes to outwit, outplay, and outlast. And to ask Jeff some questions, because even after 26 days out there, there is still a lot for me to uncover. Bring it, D. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. John, you got John, I'm very excited. Yeah. Happy Wednesday, by the way. I hope you have a happy Thanksgiving. Yes, and you too. And I, I'm very excited. Uh, the wonderful, incredibly talented actress Rosamund Pike is here tonight. Yes. And, yes. and yes. not only that, but my dear friend Sir Peter Jackson is here tonight to talk about the Beatles documentary, yeah, Get, Get Back. Back. Extraordinary Get footage. Back. We talked about it last yes. week. Ooh, Y'all, man, please, Beatles. check it out. Now, folks... If you watch the show, you know I spend most of my time right over there carefully blending for you the day's newsiest, most topical flour, eggs, milk, and butter. And straining into a fine batter to make delicate yet informative comedy pancakes. Then I glaze them in the juice and zest of the most relevant midnight Valencia oranges and douse it all in a fine de la main de voyage cognac before flambéing and basting them tableside to serve for you the James Beard award-worthy crepe Suzette. That is my nightly monologue, but sometimes, just sometimes, folks, I... Wake up in the baggage hold of Greyhound Bus is being hoisted by the scrapyard claw toward the burn pit. Escape to a nearby abandoned price chopper where I scrounge for old bread scraps, busted open bags of star fruit candies, and expired eggs. Chuck it all on a dirty hubcap and slap it over a tire fire before using the legs of a strained pair of sweatpants and as oven mitts to extract and serve the demented transients pound cake of news that is my segment. Poetry, man. It's like a tone poem. It's jazz. Where's my nomination? <laughs> Meanwhile, here in New York City, a statue of Thomas Jefferson was removed from City Hall after 187 years. There he is being placed into a crate, and once they're done, the same crate will be used to pack up Mayor Bill de Blasio. <laughs> Historians agree that, of course, Jefferson should be remembered, but he needs to be contextualized. Moving the statue doesn't mean New Yorkers will forget who Thomas Jefferson was, but some of them might learn from the controversy that the man who wrote, All Men Are Created Equal, owned over 600 of his fellow humans. A professor at John Jay College of Criminal Justice said, Yes, we have to be careful we don't blindly honor men who own slaves. Now, if you'll excuse me, I've got to go back to teaching my courses at John Jay College. He what? <laughs> Meanwhile, in Under the Seas news, octopuses will have their feelings protected under a new UK law, which recognizes that many sea creatures are sentient beings with the capacity to have feelings, including crabs, lobsters, crayfish, prawns, and squids. So, all the ones we boil alive? 
That's clearly inhumane. From now on, we strangle them first. <laughs> Get in the pot. Meanwhile, Apple is targeting 2025 to launch a self-driving car without a steering wheel. When, I assume, they'll charge you 20 bucks for an adapter so you can use your old steering wheel. <laughs> Meanwhile, a woman in Michigan is going to prison after she decided she wanted her husband dead, so she tried to hire an assassin online at rentahitman.com. Always good to rent a hitman before you buy. It's less maintenance, and you still have that new hitman smell. Unfortunately for the wannabe widow, rentahitman.com is a fake website run by Bob Innes, a 54-year-old man who forwards any serious inquiries to law enforcement and who uses the fake hitman name, Guido Finelli. <laughs> little on the nose with the cultural stereotype there, Bob. I'm surprised the website didn't have a little pizza chef with a gun. I'm a maker of the murder sauce so good. Up next, Rosamund Pike. It's lovely to meet you. It's lovely to meet you, too. Now, you have been doing something uh, for the last two years. You've been living in a beautiful city, Prague. Yeah. But, of course, the entirety of that, I imagine, has been under COVID restrictions. <laughs> what, what, what is it like to be in not your home city? To well, be in I moved country? my family to Prague for the Wheel of Time, which we were just mentioning, and um, then we went into lockdown, and uh, I found myself having the kind of half-restful, half-mysterious... Um, uh, situation of being in a foreign country where you know you have no idea what anybody's saying so on one level it's deeply relaxing because you can walk around and you know people are having rows or you know you do the wrong thing and someone shouts at you and you've no idea what they're saying and actually it's quite calming um you know i go back <laughs> I to like london uh, and, um, is blish. and i can pick up on everybody's kind of aggro all the time you mm -hmm. know obviously and and here actually i speak the same language um uh, <laughs> And, uh, but, but Prague, yeah, it's been, it's been great. It's been great. So it's, it's a much smaller city. So I come to New York and it feels enormous. It's pretty big. It's pretty big. <laughs> now, a lot of people picked up things like baking bread or, or whatever during COVID. You picked up the cello. Oh, well, I that... picked up the cello again. Yes, oh, you... For, for, yes, okay, I, I, I used to play. And I, after, 70, after a 17-year gap, wow. I was inspired to take lessons again. I think because Prague is such a musical city. Mm-hmm. Um, so I found myself a cello teacher, and I rented a cello from the Prague Music School. Sure, like And you it did. kind of took me back to to being a to being a child. I mean, I used to I used to play from when I was four to when I was in my early twenties. Did you play um, professionally? No, no, no. It was never. It was never. That was never my direction. But I played quite well, and I actually. I actually um, busked my way into the National Youth Theatre because I, I needed money to join the National Youth Theatre. That was always my passion. And, um, and I didn't have enough money to, to raise the fee for the course. So I took my cello to Trafalgar Square. You know Trafalgar Square in London. Um, and I, I, I busked for money. I, you, have, you say busked, do you? Busked, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You, you open the cello you case and you street. hope people exactly. will yeah, yeah. throw coins yeah. in. And, how, and what in, kind of green would you pull down, busking? Ah. Busking. <laughs> Like, how many well, hours would it take you to get, like, 10 pounds? Well, you know, I mean, I, you, you, I don't know if you've done it, but it's, it's, it's agonizingly slow going, <laughs> generally. Yeah, I um, bust in, uh, uh, bust, uh, in the UK, and there's a really special sound that uh, y'all's uh, pound coin, oh. which is bigger than a nickel, but smaller than a quarter, but thick. 
and yeah. it makes a nice ring when it hits the pavement. It does. I, I can't remember now, I, I'm in my jet lag state, when the pound coin came in. I'm definitely old enough to remember the pound note. I am, old, <laughs> I am older than you are, I promise <laughs> and you. you know the... Yes, exactly. Now, you were in Prague to shoot uh, the series The Wheel of Time, written by Robert Jordan. Um, and are, are you a fantasy fan? I never have been. I mean, until now. Now I'm a big fantasy fan. <laughs> So had you read, it's like 14 books or something. It's a, it's a it's huge, huge series, it's yes. It's a huge series. Had um, you read any of them before? I think I'd always been quite grounded in reality and quite happy studying people. I still find people really, really interesting. I didn't sure. feel I needed to branch out into creatures and mythological beasts. But now, of course, I'm, I'm really au fait with those things too, and I'm enjoying it. Um, I even call some of them my friends. Um, they, uh, <laughs> I mean... Uh, <laughs> but would you let your daughter marry one? <laughs> Yes, that is... I mean, my sons are worried about whether I'm actually killing them for real. And I'm... You know, when oh. your children ask you whether, what you're son? doing... Nine and six. Well, that's but, but, you know, whether... When, what you're doing is so magical, there's a part of you that when they say, Mommy, but is it real? You kind of don't want to say no. You know, you, you want them to believe that it is real, except the point when it comes to you killing someone. Then you want them to know that that bit isn't real. But right, when right, you right. shoot fireballs, sure. that's, that's real. Now, you do shoot fireballs in what we're about to see right here, but what is happening? Who are you shooting fireballs at? Well, so, some of these monsters who I am not, in fact, killing, but I am really shooting the fireballs, so... And here it goes. <laughs> I have, I have a very important question, important to me at least, is that we didn't get to hear you speak just then. Uh, do you have your natural accent as uh, this character? I do, I do. I, I have sort of, sort of, sort of based on me. I'm okay. based on my, not based on me. Because I've seen you play like a lot of Americans. Because <laughs> I've seen you, you do an American accent very well. Thank you. And you fool, you're one of those surprise Brits who <laughs> fools the rest of us. And you find, who is that? And you look at them and go, damn it, they're British. Uh, well, it's, I mean, I, I trial, I mean, death, I mean, I nearly was never asked to do an American accent again ever after my first one where I had the line, there's a pressure door at the end of the North Corridor. Now, that has no R, no R's in it for English people. And that is a there's lot a of R's. There's a pressure door. Yes, look how beautifully you there's say it. There's a pressure yes, door, door at the end of the North Corridor. Yes, corridor is very, very hard. So how would you say it? There's, there. door, there's a pressure there's a pressure door. Door. There's a pressure door at the end of the North Corridor. Perfect. Okay. Perfect. Beautiful. So, so the R is obviously something that we have to retrain ourselves to, to, hear. to add in How to do everything. You do that? How do you? Well, I have lists of drills. So I find I have things like happier, soothsayer, and then I have words like herpes. Her is a great one, right? Sure. So then I find myself walking say along saying herpes. That sounds much nicer. <laughs> so I'm walking I'd much around. I'd rather have town. herpes. <laughs> But you might have herpes. Oh, damn. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> What's the hard... Corridor's hard. Like, is there, Corridor, like, just the absolute um, killer? The, yeah, the... Oh, the absolute killer is, is murder. Oh. The word murder. Because murder. it's got two... Yes, yeah, like corridor. <laughs> but, but... 
it still gets me, and unfortunately I do roles where the word murder comes up quite a lot. Sure. <laughs> it's always... Um, but I have a trick. I, I, I put a pencil between my teeth, because basically in, in, in England I think we clamp... Ah. <laughs> Just like that one. Yes. So, so I say murder, and then when I try and say it in American, it comes out like mur murder, and it sounds really bad. And then I put this in my I go, murder. 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 <laughs> Is it a good day for a murder? Murder. Murder. And then you take the pencil out, you go, yeah. murder, murder, murder. 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 <laughs> There's a pressure door at the north end of the corridor. There's a pressure door at the end of the north corridor. You know, if I could do that now, I wouldn't have embarrassed myself so much. But yeah. back in the day, in 2004, that was, uh, yeah. yeah, nearly ended my career. You got the role as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> you've got, you've, you're definitely getting a call back. Is this COVID-friendly now? <laughs> this, this pencil, no, we, have, we have <laughs> to burn like that to before you leave. <laughs> um, it was so lovely to meet you. Thank you for being here. Are well, you still <laughs> Coming up, Peter Jackson. Folks, I am excited to say that my next guest tonight is Peter Jackson, the Academy Award-winning writer and director of a film series I've seen once or twice, The Lord of the Rings. But I dare say his latest film is something equally impressive, the beautiful Beatles documentary Get Back. Now, to create this film, the, the Beatles gave Jackson access to over 57 hours of behind-the-scenes footage from the recording sessions from their album, Let It Be. These moments were captured on film. Then, they were put away in a vault for nearly 50 years. And Jackson spent the last four years poring over this footage and restoring it all in order to tell a history-rewriting story of what the relationships in the last year of that band were really like. Now, due to COVID restrictions, Peter couldn't leave New Zealand, but I had the pleasure of talking with him all the way from Wellington. So, ladies and gentlemen, my conversation with Sir Peter Jackson. Hello, Peter. Hey, Stephen. We're, we're here, right? Eh? Finally got it finished. We can't talk about the night that, that I showed you all that secret footage. It, it, it didn't happen, but, you, but you, you might have seen a lot of it a few years ago. So I shouldn't mention that two years ago when I was in New Zealand, I spent the weekend at your house and we spent eight hours over two days watching raw footage that you uh, no, that, showed that would, me in would, the editing process. Me, that would cause me huge, huge problems if we ever even breathe the word of it. Didn't we actually, I, I seem to remember we even shed tears that, that night, didn't we? I, I seem to... Uh, mind you, I, I'm not sure if it was about uh, the I, Beatles. I think I burst into tears when you said I could watch it. I remember that yeah. part. Well, you, the tears might not have been the Beatles. That might have been another thing we were doing. But anyway, that's all right. It's, um, yeah. I want to start this interview with something kind of shocking uh, yeah. because this will be the only interview... Uh, I ever do with you where I don't talk about the Lord of the Rings. Because, I and I don't I know how to say that. this, mm -hmm. I, I don't know how to thought. say this, but mm -hmm. the Lord of the Rings mm -hmm. is now my second favorite mm -hmm. trilogy. I, I came my favorite in, is I, now the Beatles. I, Get wondered, back. I, wondered, I wondered, is this going to be the first interview I ever do with Stephen where he doesn't mention the Lord of the Rings? But you just have mentioned the Lord of the Rings, so... Uh. No, but, but only to mention that I won't mention them. That's yeah, okay. it. Never right. comes up again. Yeah. We all were sort of sold or taught mm. this history of the Beatles, of this sort of fractious, very yep. yep. um, friction-filled, argumentative end of the last year of the Beatles. Yes. This, this three-part film that you've made completely blows that up. 
It's a, it's yeah. a, it's, they love each other. They're, they're having an enormous amount of fun. There is some friction. Yeah. But they clearly love creating with each other. What, what do you think, how do you think it's going to change people's view of the end of the Beatles? What's really interesting about it is that, it, it, you know, it, it, and, and if it's anything sort of sad or melancholy about it, it's not because you're looking at them breaking up, but you're looking at this huge, biggest band in the world who have have done everything. They've done Ed Sullivan, Beatlemania, Shea Stadium, Sar they've gone to the studio, Sgt. Pepper, groundbreaking albums. They've arrived at January 1969, and they're trying to figure out what it is to be a, the Beatles in, at this point in, point in time. And it's almost like, you know, the, the um, oh, God, I'm going to mention Tolkien. Oh, damn. It shouldn't Do be it. happening. At the end of Lord Do of the it. Rings, when, when um, Frodo says, you know, we set out to save the Shire Sam, and we did, but not for me. I, I kind of have started to project that, because the Beatles changed the world, did all this, only to realise that there's not really a place for them. They can't, they don't want, they want to perform to 300 people. They last performed three years ago to 60,000. You try to sell 300 tickets to a show, you're going to have 60,000 people queuing up the street. What they want to do is they can't, it's not practical. They, and so they're suddenly realising we, we, what we want to do. We're the biggest band in the world. We have a very simple thing we want to do. We just want to be a rock and roll band. We can't do it. The world has no place for us anymore. It's, it's, I mean, I, I get that feeling from it. It's very, that's the bittersweet feeling. You know, people make a lot of the, the friendship between uh, John and Paul, and that's often where a lot of the discussion of the, the friction in the band mm. uh, came. There's a, a tremendous amount of complexity that's revealed mm -hmm. between all of their relationships yes. in this documentary. Yep. Yep. But what struck me is that this is, in many ways, a love story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Between between all of them, but mm -hmm. really between John and Paul, mm -hmm. they they clearly love each other so mm -hmm. much. Even mm -hmm. like in moments when John might be being a bit of a pill from mm -hmm. an outside observer, Paul will laugh and sneak a look to the camera that looks like. Mm. I mean, yeah. what are you going to do? Mm. How can you not love John? Mm. Mm. What, what, what did you make of their relationship after spending these many years with them in such an intimate way? Well, I'll tell you one of the things that affected me, and I, had, I never even thought about it before, but the footage is there. I, I had an appreciation at how utterly painful this must have been for Paul because he's watching his closest creative collaborator, someone he's known since they were 15 or, or 16 years old, start to drift and go towards Joe towards Yoko. He's, John's not pushing Paul away, but Paul's watching Yoko now become the creative collaborator John's excited about. John's still, you know, and can you imagine how painful that must be for Paul? How utterly, utterly mm -hmm. painful. He's just watching it. And, and he's, okay, you know, he deals with it. He deals with it. He's trying to rationalise it. And he, you know, he loves the Beatles. He loves John. He wants to get on with it. But boy, what, what a, what? And you feel, you feel it. And I never, that never even occurred to me before. It's, you know, it's all about John, John and Paul started to hate each other, they want to talk to each other. It's all the, the negative stuff, but you just, it's actually kind of, you see this kind of thing happening. It's like, it's, it's wow, you know. One of the most powerful moments for me is when George isn't there, John's not there, George has left the band, they don't know if he's coming back, yeah. they're not sure what's happening with John. It's just Paul and Ringo, and Linda's there, and uh, Glenn Johns is there, and Michael Linton Hogg is there, the director. And this might have been one of those moments where the cameras were, had, were taped over and they didn't know they were being yeah. filmed. Uh, it, but it there's is, just a is. single shot, there's a single shot of Paul mm. saying, basically, if he wants to be with Yoko, that's fine. Like, we can't make him choose. He'll choose Yoko, and that's what he should do. But then the camera just is settled on Paul for, it feels like, 45 seconds or something, and he's clearly wrestling with enormous emotion inside 
about what he could, I project on that, what he could do in that moment. Mm -hmm. yeah. and what, what do you make of that moment? Because it's one of the most beautiful and heart-rending moments in this entire thing. Well, I, I mean, that moment is a moment that everyone you know, knows that George leaves. That's a moment that there's a possibility that John has also left. John hasn't shown up for work. George is, they know that George has walked out. And, and, and Paul, just that shot starts with Paul saying, and then there were two. And then he tries to hold the tears back. You know what I mean? We have to take a quick break, Peter, but don't go anywhere, everybody. We'll be right back with the director of The Beatles, Get Back, Peter Jackson. <laughs> We're back with the director of The Beatles, Get Back, Peter Jackson. One thing that really surprised me, and mm -hmm. I think it's going to surprise a lot of people, is that everybody knows that Billy Preston is often called the fifth oh, Beatle. Yeah, yeah. And along yeah. with George Martin, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. often yeah. called the fifth Beatle. Yeah, yeah. And he wasn't even supposed to be on the album. He was just a friend of George's who stopped by, and they mm -hmm. said, oh, we were saying we needed a piano player. Could mm -hmm. you sit in? And... He does, and they go, okay, can you stay? What's so funny about it is they are writing, you know, these songs, and a lot of the songs they're, they're creating um, have a keyboard you know, you know, element. So now you've got one, either John or Paul has to put their guitar down and go and play the, the keyboard. So the Beatles are sort of become, you know, one guitar down when everyone's doing the keyboard. And they start to talk about the fact they need a, that, they, they, you know, they should, because they want to do them live, they're not going to overdub them. They sort of, they need a keyboardist. We need a keyboardist. And then suddenly their old friend from Hamburg walks in to say hi, great keyboard player. And John, oh, Billy, uh, we need a keyboard player. Uh, there, there's a piano, you want to sit in there? Oh, and, it, and you just see it. It's, so, it's kind of, it's, it's hilariously funny. Billy goes, oh yeah. And, and within minutes, he's doing these great keyboard things that are in these songs that you recognize in these songs. It's kind of unbelievable. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really funny, but quite emotional. When he arrives, mm. it's a tonal change. Yeah, yeah. He like brings. It's like someone yeah. turned on an air conditioner in the room. Well, the excitement, this, 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 such yeah. freshness yeah. and excitement yeah. and energy yeah. there. Yeah, we have a clip here oh, yeah, of uh, of uh, Billy playing great. with the Beatles, Jim. You're giving us a lift, Bill. Oh, right. We've been doing this for days. Now. Weeks. No, that's just choking. Really, voice is choking. I just wish Was I had it? yesterday's voice for today's backing. I was swinging yesterday. Voice wise, that is. I've just gone over the top. Don't let me down. down. Sandwiches, Gail. Yeah. Sandwiches. <laughs> mm. it's, yeah. it's extraordinary. I mean, what's also amazing, apart from the Let It Be songs, and is you see solo songs. You know, you see their future solo songs being, which you'll never do as the Beatles, but they, but they don't know that, so they start doing them. And I, it is a moment when John Lennon and Paul McCartney are working on, on a song, Give Me Some Truth. Now, Give Me Some Truth is a wonderful John Lennon song on the Imagine album. And I just had no idea that Paul McCartney was involved in this. And he's clearly co-written a song. So anyway, I, the next time I see Paul, I say to him, so what, I had no idea, Paul, that, that you, you co-wrote Give Me Some Truth. 
and he, he looks at me and says, what, 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 give, give me some truth, you mean John's song from, from, um, from his solo album? I said, yeah, yeah. And he said, no, I didn't have anything to do with that. And so, so I get my iPad, I said, look, <laughs> you, and you're talking, and, and, and he looks at it, and he shakes his head and he says, I, I have no memory of working on that song. And then he sort of had a, had a twinkle in his eye and he says, but it's a really great song, so I'm happy to take a little bit of credit for it. <laughs> but he, he couldn't remember, he couldn't remember that he was working on Give Me Some Truth with, with John. It's, um... Peter, I know um, I said I wasn't going to mention Lord of the Rings, but you mentioned the Lord of the Rings before I did, so I feel like I can ask you this question and it's entirely your fault. Um, I've heard that the Beatles actually wanted to make the Lord of the Rings mm. movie. Mm -hmm. And as... Um, someone who made the definitive Lord of the Rings mm. movie and now has spent all these years with the Beatles in such an intimate way, how would you cast John, Paul, George, and Ringo if you were to make the Lord of the Rings again? Would you make them the Hobbits? Well, I, I mean, I like the idea. I mean, obviously, Paul's Frodo, isn't he? I mean, it's, 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 are, we, are we talking yeah. about Lord of the Rings? Here we are, okay. Uh, this is, yeah, okay. Didn't, not what I, th what I thought this conversation would be. Okay, Paul is obviously Frodo. I mean, you get to... And Sam is obviously Ringo, isn't it? So then you've got... Yes. Uh, well, John's Gollum, isn't he? He has, and George's... G I mean, I, look, they, they cast themselves, and they, and they did it right. Gandalf, you know, George, the mystic magician, that's perfect. I mean, you have to age him up a bit. Um, and I guess if you had to have Gollum and you had the four Beatles, you, John Lennon is the obvious one, isn't he? Absolutely slam dunk. Well, Peter, thanks again. This has been great. You're welcome. Done. Thanks again to Peter Jackson. His stunning documentary series, The Beatles Get Back, premieres tomorrow on Disney+. And I'm very excited to share even more of my conversation with Peter on this Monday's episode of The Late Show. Happy Thanksgiving from The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert. While we're off for the holiday, you can listen to Stephen's exclusive interview with the cast of Succession, dropping this Friday on The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert. We'll be back next week with all new episodes. Watch The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, weeknights at 11.35, 10.35 Central on CBS and Paramount+. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to The Late Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.